The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Infertility Podcast. Our special guest for this episode went to the same university as I did for undergrad, for undergrad, and we have both attended the University of South Florida. Go Bulls! <laughs> so I want to welcome Beverly. Um, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. That, I love that welcome, Danielle. <laughs> you know. I try my best. So <laughs> before we get started, Bev, if you can give us a, um, you know, brief description of like who you are, what you do, any personal or professional highlights that you would like to share before we get into the interview questions. Okay. Well, um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, also known as your favorite MFT. Um, I primarily work with um, black and brown women and I help them redefine having it all by creating their own narratives and finding their voice when it comes to themselves, their relationships and their community. Um, I also specialize in couples therapy. Um, So as a relationship and emotional intimacy expert, I do partner with um, couples in all stages of life to get them beyond the vow. I do this through my private practice, Be Heart Counseling Services, um, which I started this year. Um, And I think that my biggest professional aspiration is that I started my private practice to specifically cater to black and brown women. I do believe that it's important that we have our own space where we don't have to educate the other person um, about the cultural aspects. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry, Danielle. You're fine. You're fine. Where I don't have to educate the person about the cultural aspects involved with being a black and brown person. Yes. And I love it because um, we need more, you know, representation um, in many arenas and mental health is definitely one arena where we need more representation of, um, you know, black women, uh, minority women, um, because it's different when you're speaking to someone who looks like you, right? Yeah. Um, the comfort level is definitely there. So what, um, you know, what made you decide to take a path um, into mental health uh, and going into a career in mental health? So my first uh, career was actually as an educator. I was a um, uh, an English educator, primarily middle school. Mm-hmm. And there was a situation with a student. Um, he was just, you know, going through a lot of life. And at the time, um, I was really curious about um, some of the, some of the behaviors I was seeing, like he would be cursing people out. He never did that with me though, which was mm-hmm. really interesting. But, you know, he had a lot of behavioral issues. And I ended up finding out that his father was murdered this summer before he started the school year. Wow. Then with his paternal um, grandmother, who's also grieving the loss of her son. And so, you know, there's just a lot of trauma, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of trauma. And I just thought about how he 
wasn't getting services. Like he, he wasn't going to therapy to heal, um, from, you know, the murder of his father. Right. And now he's living with his grandmother who he wasn't living before. It was just a lot of transition. And I feel like, we failed him as a school because mm-hmm. eventually they did kick him out um, wow. from the school because of this, the continuous behavior issues. And I never felt like he was able to receive the services that he needed. Right. Right. So for me, I was just like, okay, I felt like, you know, we failed this kid and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to acquire the skill set that I feel like would have been helpful for him. And so I just Googled like family therapy. I'm like, okay, yeah, they need some family therapy because everybody needs to heal. And obviously if you can help the family, then that means you'll help the child. Which mm-hmm. means that child will be a better student. So I was like literally backtracking in my head. So I literally just Googled fam- fam- family therapy and the um, MFT program at Badassa State University popped up, as well as NOVA. Um, and the only reason why I picked BSU is because it's a public institution and not private. Yeah, and NOVA is very expensive. That's where I got my, my master's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, NOVA is, is ridiculous. But it, it was really interesting because um, the guy, was it Doug? Douglas Flemons, who was like a pioneer in MFT and who's over the um, marriage and family therapy program at... Um, Nova, I think he's retiring, but he taught my program director and, and our department head. And so they were very best of friends. So wow. I felt like I was getting quality education, which I was, my program was awesome. So ultimately just to make a long story short, that's how I got into the field. Awesome. Um, and you know, especially for our community, um, you know, both of us, we're from Haitian descent, but, you know, on a broader scale, the African-American, the black community, uh, we see t- um, mental health as a taboo subject, right? Mm-hmm. Why do you feel that is? Why do you feel that mental health is such a taboo subject? Because we are a part of the medical community and there's a long history of um the black race being um being victims mm-hmm. of the medical community and mm-hmm. different experiments and different things like that there's a lot of reason why we should be skeptical because we've endured a lot of pain and a lot of hurt so there's a lot of history there and so when when it comes to the family right um the family unit is a huge um point in the black culture right? And we never want to allow our family to be vulnerable or to be jeopardized. So the whole notion about, oh, we need to keep our family business private mm-hmm. is more so as a defense mechanism, right? Right. If we show any weaknesses, then that means the family system has the ability to crumble. Um, and so when it comes to the mental health aspect of it all, no one wants to be labeled as crazy. There's a lot right. of misconceptions about that. Like, oh, you're not of sound mind. And people who are not of sound mind are ostracized, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has the story of, yeah, that crazy uncle that I have, that crazy aunt, like people don't respect them and they don't really care for them like they should. So, you know, there's so many different narratives that just support what it is to be like messed up in the head. And that's not what mental health necessarily is. Yes, there are people who have mental illnesses, but I think it's really important to normalize mental wellness, right? Yes. The same way that we have yearly checkups, the same way that we take care of our bodies and we work out and we 
you know, we're concerned about our nutrition, the same thing should, the, the same energy should be given with our mental wellness. Yes, definitely. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, and in that same vein, especially with our culture, what are some things that you have personally noticed in our culture as it relates to mental health? You know, you just brought up, you know, the fact that we kind of have conversations and say that crazy uncle, that crazy aunt, or, you, you know, we kind of ostracize them. What are some other things that you've seen um, done in regards to those who may be, you know, having some challenges with mental health? I think that we have normalized struggling. Mm. Um, I think we've normalized struggle like, oh, being part of the black race means that you have to struggle. I do understand that there's, when you live life, you know, struggle is a byproduct of it, but there are certain things that you don't have to struggle with. There's some loaded, some emotional loads you do not have to carry. Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a point of pride of, you know, Oh, I went through all of this and, 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 and I'm still standing and, 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 you know, I'm strong or that's not a point of pride to necessarily say that, oh, you are able to sustain all this pain and, and trauma. Mm -hmm. um, it's an even, it's, it's an even bigger, um, what's the word? Like you, there's a different level of strength that's needed to heal. Yes. 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 There's a, there's, Saying that I am no longer going to allow this to control my life, I'm no longer going to allow this to be a point of contention for myself, I am going to heal. That is some heavy work right there. Yes. Carrying that load is heavy, releasing it because there's so much fear that's mm -hmm. involved in, okay, let me, let me share this emotional struggle with somebody else, right? Let me not be the only person who's carrying this weight. Let me set this weight down and just continue walking forward. But we become comfortable with that weight. We know that weight. We don't know what it's like to not have it. Yes. Right? Yes. So I think that, that, that struggle aspect and becoming comfortable with it and even um, becoming victim with becoming comfortable with being victim you know like sometimes we have this victim mentality and like you said it takes a lot of strength to transition from victim to victor right so i think even with the concept of a victim mentality right mm -hmm. um i think that's loaded because some people don't see themselves as victims mm -hmm. right some people literally see this as because I'm a black woman, it is expected that I carry this load. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a black man, it is expected that I carry this load. Like these narratives that as society, like even the strong black woman archetype, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I have to be able to endure. I have to be able to persist, right? That is still an emotional load. That is still, you know, there, there, there is trauma still wrapped in that. Yeah. It's, it's completely separate from a victim mentality, right? Mm -hmm. It's things like, just like for me, you know, like, like, like we said earlier, you know, I'm a Haitian woman, you're a, you're a Haitian woman. The drive that I felt, you know, especially grow, growing up, like I have to be successful. I can't have anything less than a B. Mm -hmm. I have to do this or I have to be a doctor, an engineer, a or a lawyer because my parents expected that from me. Mm -hmm. That in itself is an emotional load. And 
telling myself, you know what, I have an option to not follow that path, right? right. I have the option to create my own. That right there, that emotional and mental shift was a lot because I knew the repercussions of what that choice was. Mm-hmm. Possibly disappointing my parents, possibly being ostr- like, you know, ostracized from, from, from my family. Not to say that they were going to. Yeah, but, but the in, possibility. In my mind, it's yeah. like, oh, well, we've sacrificed all these things for you and you didn't do it. Or you're not following this course that I set for you. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm a victim, but I do believe that it takes a lot for me to say, I want this path instead of the one that others want for me. Yes. Love it. So for someone who is interested in pursuing a career in mental health, what words of advice or encouragement would you provide them? I would tell them to research mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of avenues, right? Um, you can be a marriage and family therapist. You can be a clinical social worker, a mental health counselor. You can, I think, was it a, a psychiatric nurse or you can be a psychiatrist, which is a medical doctor who specializes in mental health. There's so many avenues. And I thoroughly believe that once you do your research and figure out, okay, what is your ultimate goal and how do each one of these modalities align with it? Right. Yes. Many ways to get to the end goal is what 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 way of thinking makes the most sense for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just being aware that you have to prioritize your mental wellness before you enter a field that is for the mental wellness of other people. Um, yeah. I think a lot of folks don't realize the emotional load that it takes to be a therapist, mm-hmm. how it can impact you to um, hold space for your clients, right? There's a lot of things that I hear, you know, on a daily basis. Um, that's heavy. Yes. Right? And so when I am absorbing that energy, I need to be able to, to, to do something about that as well. Instead of, you know, not having clear cut boundaries for myself and then now it's affecting me and my personal wellness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you said that it's important to, to kind of know what you're getting into. And just like a medical doctor, you know, it's like the fact that someone may die, that's something that is, can be traumatic. And is it something that you can work through um, when it happens? And so um, I've heard, um, you know, many therapists say, Hey, I'm a therapist, but I have uh, a therapist as well. Right. I sure do. I sure do. <laughs> Because it's necessary. Mm-hmm. It is so necessary. Um, so if someone is looking for a mental health counselor or psychologist or what have you, what are some things they should look for? Um, I believe that when you are looking for a therapist, um, take your time and consider multiple different things. Like, more than one therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just like when you're shopping for a shoe, it's all about the right fit. Yeah. Um, go on their website. What are they saying on their website? What are they? What do they specialize in? Do you see the things that are concerning you? Do you see that being addressed on their website? Do you feel like they're talking to you? Look up reviews. Look up, you know, if they they have a social media platform. What are they posting on their social media, right? You want to get to know as much as you can about that person um, in order for you to kind of um, narrow down 
who you want to do a consult with. Schedule a consultation. Some therapists do free consultations. Some therapists do not do free consultations. Ask questions. Ask them if, if you're a black or brown woman or man. Ask how many clients do you have that look like me? How many clients do you have who are coming to you with the same issues I'm talking to you about? Mm -hmm. What experience do you have? Do you have any additional certifications or specializations that I should know about? Are you currently accepting clients because there's some therapists who are not because their cases yes. are full, yes. you know? Um, and then just kind of ask them, you know, what does your treatment plans look like? Like, how do I know if I'm progressing in therapy or not progressing? Like, what would you tell me if I have, you know, questions about the way my progress is going? You know, you want to ask all the questions that you need in order to feel as comfortable as possible. Because, I mean, you may not be 100% com um, comfortable with the notion of starting therapy or even with that therapist. But if you were able to ask your questions and they were able to respond back to you with clear responses, then that's a pretty good indicator that, okay, does this person hear me? Does this person see me? And do they understand what I'm saying right now? Right. Right. So it's kind of like making sure that then your needs mat match up with the individual that is going to help you kind of process and, um, you know, transition from one one place to another. Um, so that's very, very good advice. I think oftentimes we are afraid to do that. You know, we just look at the site, look at the number and make an appointment. Um, but that's really sound advice mm -hmm. to really just make sure that you both are in alignment. Um, mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that assisting others through their mental health journey can be very taxing. What are some things you do to help with your own mental health? And especially with, you know, the coronavirus, COVID-19, um, this year has kind of like heightened everything, <laughs> in my opinion. So what are some things that you've done um, to kind of help you uh, with your own personal mental health? So I have a therapist mm -hmm. um, and she's pretty awesome. Good. Um, Cause I need to have my own space to be heard mm -hmm. as well and to vent. Um, I do make sure that I do something every day for myself, like whether it's in the morning or right before I go to sleep. Um, I just started reading the new book um, by humans of New York, Brandon Staten. Okay. Um, I, I, I try to read because reading is one of my favorite things to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to be mindful of work hours. Now, I haven't been doing so well with that lately. Okay. <laughs> I try to, if I'm going to close the computer at 10, okay, let me close it at 10, right? Yeah. Um, at least once a week with me and my husband, I try to do a date night, whether uh -huh. it's a movie, but just not being on the computer doing work. Like, I need to be able to do non-computer work things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's really good because we can get kind of glued to the computer, um, <laughs> which is not a good thing. Um, so as you know, the basis of this podcast is um, for women, couples, individuals who are walking in the journey of infertility and those who are, are listening and tuning in to support others. So what would you say to a woman or man um, who is apprehensive of um, seeking counseling? Um, I know I'll speak 
for myself, you know, there was a point where I was like, okay, I'm good. I can, you know, process what's going on. Um, I'm fine. I may have some moments where I'm sad, but I'm overall, you know, good. I'm happy. I'm able to push through. And then something happened that really just triggered me that shouldn't have, you know, um, and that's when I was just like, okay, wait, like, I think I need to speak to someone, right? Um, but there's so many individuals out there who may feel that, you know, they're apprehensive about seeking counseling. Um, what would you say to that individual who's kind of on the fence of whether they should uh, get a therapist or not? Um, I feel that it is perfectly normal to be apprehensive mm-hmm. about um, seeking therapy because essentially that person is a stranger to you mm-hmm. um, until you obviously get to know them with every with every ensuing session. Um, I think it's okay to hold space for those emotions. Like, okay, I'm apprehensive, but I'm going to still try it out and see. Yeah. And then you can make, like, once you do try it, I mean, cause they don't have to hold, they, they, they won't hold you hostage. If you try it and you, and you realize, okay, this therapist is not for me, or maybe I'm not ready for therapy because there is a difference between knowing that you need therapy and being ready to start mm-hmm. therapy. Um, you can always stop and then pick it up whenever you can. Um, I think with the couples that I work with, um, there's usually one partner that's a little bit more motivated mm-hmm. to come to therapy. And the other one is, you know, like, I don't want to do this. Typically my males. And <laughs> I I'm just that, here so I don't get fined. <laughs> right. Right. So typically during the first session, I call it out. Yeah. I'm like, okay, sir. Like I can tell, like, you don't want to be here, but somehow you found a way to get here. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause ultimately you have the choice to show up or not show up. So yes. what's you showing up right and I have a conversation about it and I let them know I get it like I'm a stranger to you you don't know me from a can of paint and right now you're doing this just so your wife doesn't fuss at you and I'm gonna say I do appreciate you still showing up and all I can say is give it a few sessions and just see how you feel and we'll have a conversation about it I think a lot of times people don't feel like they have this space to um to voice their apprehension they feel like oh it, if it's not positive, I don't want to say nothing. And, and, and I'm like, no, this is a therapy room. Yeah. Like we can talk about all the things, how you feel. Like if you don't want to do therapy, I get it. Let's talk about that. What do you feel like you need in order to become comfortable? What can I do? What questions can I answer to help you? Right. Instead of dismissing it. And I think most, like I haven't, you know, experienced this yet, but I've every couple that I've, had in a consultation where the guy was, you know, skeptic has been the most motivated person in therapy because, you know, they were afraid like, oh, they're, you're just going to pit me against my partner and this is going to make things worse or you're going to, you know, you know, critique me just like she's critiquing me. And that's not what it is at all. You know, I'm team the couple, like not one person. Or I don't have no stake in the in the relationship. Right. <laughs> it matters not to me who you know who signed up for the, for the consult. If y'all come here to you know work on your relationship, then my priority is both of you. Yes, definitely. I love that. So as we close, do you have any final words? Any final words? I think that, you know, um, 2020 has been 
tasking for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of clients that I've had have never presented or had any issues with anxiety. And now that they, and now they do because mm-hmm. of the stressors of what's happening with COVID with um, the recent election. Yes. I think that people should do a self, have a real, a real sit down with yourself and a self analysis and just kind of figure out, okay, this has been a different year. Mm-hmm. And even though you've never felt like you needed therapy before, it would be very wise of you to prioritize your wellness and go talk to someone Yes, um, just to hash out this year. Because I don't, I haven't met not one person who has not been impacted by this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that the best investment you can ever make in yourself is prioritizing your wellness mm-hmm. all around from head to toe inside and out most importantly your mental wellness um so even if it's not something long term because therapy can be short or long depending on whatever your needs are i do believe that it's important for people to do a check-in from this year especially going to 2021 there's a lot of insurance companies that have eap Mm -hmm. um program, which is an employee employee assistance program, uh, where you can have therapy sessions that are covered um, for reduced rate or sometimes free, and you don't need a diagnosis. Um, There's low cost um, therapy services through sites like betterhelp.com, talkspace.com, where you can text, phone call, and video chat with the therapist. There's just so many avenues um, to mental wellness that, that, that has been, um, developed this year. And so before this year's over or going into the new year, I, I strongly suggest that everybody at least sit down with someone mm-hmm. and just have a moment to just kind of process what this year has been like for themselves. Yes. Cause it, it, it has been quite a year and really honestly traumatic, you know? Um, and I think a lot of us have to unpack everything that's happened. Um, and so that's really you know, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on to talk about mental health, to talk about therapy, um, to, you know, bring this subject, continue to bring this subject out in the forefront, um, just to make sure that people feel comfortable, you know, um, and saying therapy is okay. Yes, you have Jesus, but you need a therapist, okay? And it is okay to have both. Right. Um, The doctors that you go to. Yes. You create the same therapist. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, um, Beverly, how can we stay in contact with you? How can we get connected with you via social media, your website? How do we stay connected with you? So on all social media platforms, I'm under your favorite MFT. Um, and my website is beheartcounseling.com. So beheartcounseling.com. Um, your favorite MFT is honestly one of my favorite spaces, especially on Instagram. I literally have the best conversations with people. And your content looks bomb. <laughs> Like I honestly come 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 up with those things on the fly. Like I'm so bad at planning content, but I love having you know going on IG live and having like random conversations. So I just thoroughly enjoy engaging. So I'm most most active on IG under your favorite MFT. But if someone needs to contact me if they're interested in therapy service, you can go to beheartcounseling.com and just um, sign up for a consultation 
or um, if someone is looking to connect or to do collaborations, there's a contact form on my website as well. Awesome. So thank you so much, Beverly, for being on this episode. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Until next time, ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister. Or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.